Hello guys, welcome to the Money Gambit podcast by the Financial Literacy Society. I am Shreya Saruja, your host for today's episode, which is also our very first episode. So congratulations to the team. This podcast was created for people who want to know more about finance but like me are intimidated by the technicalities of it all. So to sort that part out, we have our second co-host here with us today. Thank you Shreya for the very interesting introduction, but Hi guys, I'm Anjala Roy. I'm a second year GSPF student. So our podcast team has been brainstorming topics for this first episode and everyone agreed upon the topic of frauds. Yeah, so you remember the week that we decided upon this topic? I've been thinking about it since then and I have come to the conclusion that technology might be the root cause for all these frauds. I mean, I have read about people using AI modulators to impersonate your bank managers and stuff. If you think about it that this would have never taken place in olden times. Have you ever heard about the Charles Ponzi scheme? Is it the 1900s uh, scam that there's this iconic hat guy? Yeah. Um it was one of the biggest financial scams in American history actually. How big? So I think he stole approximately 15 million dollars. Yeah, and right now after inflation if you see it's around 220 million dollars. So it was a pretty big scam. But I've heard that during his college life he lived quite a flamboyant life. If he had such means why did he have to go on and scam the whole of America? So he he wasn't born rich. So his ancestors were extremely wealthy. but their businesses had failed and that led to ponzi's father working as a postman oh. and it was they lived a pretty comfortable life but it just made ponzi have a sense of resentment towards his ancestors because he didn't get to live the life of luxury the way they did but then how did he end up living it in college so after um ponzi's father had passed away he had gotten a lump sum from him and according to his um, according to sources his mother wanted him to go to college really badly because he she wanted him to have a good career hmm. and work but he took the money and he went to college but instead of actually studying there he bought really expensive clothes and he ate at the finest restaurants <laughs> in town and he really wanted to be like his rich friends that he had and he wanted to have endless amounts of money. Also oh, he was like that character from Money Heist. Um, Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was. But eventually uh, his money ran out and he got kicked out of university because uh, he didn't attend any of the classes exactly. Oh. So like when did he like I've heard he moved to the US, right? When did that happen? So it I think it was like the early 90s that he left for America because he thought he was going to get rich over there and he also wanted to make his mother proud by coming back to Italy as a really rich man hmm. and he worked multiple jobs actually like he worked as a waiter as a clerk and what not but he either quit because he hated the 9 to 5 job makes sense or he actually tried to cheat his customers off and he was fired after that and then he went back and forth from USA to Canada trying out different jobs and he even got imprisoned i think twice in that time period and after he was released from jail he tried an import and export business which 
failed as he lacked experience and contacts and he'd even published a magazine called Trader's Guide but no one was really interested in it but then how did scamming the whole world chapter for him begin so he started off his ponzi scheme by getting people to invest in his business opportunities and in return he would give them 50% of returns in 45 days and 100% of the returns within just Whoa. 90 days i would have fallen for that any day and he even claimed that he was able to achieve such returns through arbitrage opportunities in international postal reply coupons which in short is iprcs what arbitrage opportunities so arbitrage in this context is um exploiting price differences between different countries postal systems to make a profit oh wait i think i've got it it's similar to uh, that scam that happened in 2021 right the ftx, FTX scam. Yeah, yeah yeah yes exactly like that and so he had decided what his plan was that he would take half of the money that the investors had given him mm-hmm. and the other half he would give it off to his earlier investors oh and it was a very simple system yeah. actually extremely simple and when he was asked questions by his investors he would be he would be like I can't tell you anything because this will help my competitors. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> so did he start getting investors immediately? So he had actually managed to get around 18 people to invest within the first month. Oh. And later on when they kept seeing that it was actually like the investors were getting the money, thousands of people wanted to invest in the scheme and I think it approximately on during its peak days it made like $250,000 in <sighs> one day. And while doing this entire scheme, he had realized that he was really not good with finances, rather he was good with dealing with people. He was a very charismatic person and people were ready to listen to whatever story he was selling. And Ponzi's main target audience were people who were not financially literate because the banks knew like the ones which were more um into the market who knew what how the market worked yeah they knew that this scheme was too good to be true and it was impossible for him to keep this up for a long time and i think even the boston post had some controversial uh, publishings over a period of time right So it's actually funny like at first the Boston Post had claimed that Ponzi was a financial genius which made him gain more credibility in the market leading to more investors mm. but this entire ordeal obviously did not last long as people started doubting him even the Boston Post which had claimed him as a financial genius now had started investigating him and they brought in a really good investigator who basically said that he would need to purchase around 160 million iprcs but there were only 27000 iprcs circulating in the world at that time <laughs> so it was quite literally impossible for him to be pulling this off and they eventually started publishing articles about ponzi but it wasn't in a good way it was more in like a bad light so ponzi finally decided to hire a pr and his name was william macmasters who was a very honest man and as soon as he realized that this was all a fraud 
he immediately took the entire evidence to Boston Post and that's when Ponzi got caught and the entire scheme collapsed. And because of this, many companies had gone bankrupt and a lot of people had lost money. And he was only imprisoned for five years after that, which What? I think was really less. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Only five years for, I think, what, $220 million of fraud? So what I've heard is um, his wife had urged him to plead guilty and he finally pleaded guilty to one single account, which led him to only five years in prison. You know, I've weirdly always been interested in the post-prison lives of criminals. For instance, Ponzi, after his five-year sentence ended, was resented by most of the Americans for what they had to face because of him. And I think it made sense. These scams actually impacted a lot of people directly and indirectly. Yeah, and because of which he was obviously deported back to Italy, I think in some early 1930s. And even though he had now stopped viewing the life of luxury as a necessity, he just couldn't give up. He was involved in various other scams and not only in Italy, but all the way to Brazil, where he was involved in an illegal land scheme. Again? Yeah. <laughs> but very surprisingly, poor guy's last years were spent in poverty before he took his last breath. He died in January 1949 in Brazil itself. You know, it's ironical on how his life turned out to be. Yeah, right. And even though this whole Ponzi scheme sort of looks like some genius thing to have been done, I was myself inspired by how simple the logic behind it was. Because if you see the inspired frauds that took place in the future from Ponzi, they go up to $65 billion. And the thing is, what finance does is, it limits our vision to the monetary value that it holds. But it's upon us to go beyond and acknowledge those non-tangibles that it represents. Because finance being the medium for every action of ours, it affects our lives in all spheres. So let's take the example of Bernie Madoff. The money in that scam was directly or indirectly taken from the poorest of people to the wealthiest of them. And when such an event occurs, it breaks something called the social trust and also the trust of citizens on its financial institutions. But do you think there's a fine line between lawlessness and brilliance in the world of fraud? Definitely. These people who have the potential and can actually pull off these scams are just rejected by society indiscriminately without having a look at things from their perspective. The people skills that it actually requires to pull something like this could actually be used by them to make money legally. Look at investment bankers. Not saying that they are robbing people but a sales or an investment pitch is exactly what Ponzi did on a personal level to his investors but rather on a lawless side. There are millions of people who want to live a luxurious life but they never take action. But when you look at people like Ponzi, they actually decided and took action to change that for themselves. And that too with such brilliance. What do you think? In a society driven by material wealth and status, how do we redefine success and fulfillment? I think we live in a world where a lavish lifestyle is regarded as the finest. Hmm. But what we frequently overlook, I think, is like the reality that luxury has nothing to do with the betterment of our lives or the wealthiness. Wealthiness is defined simply as having the possibility to do or have whatever you want, right? So capitalism may have simply linked these three concepts, liberty, wealth, and happiness. It is actually unfortunate that people like Ponzi were not exposed to the ideas of empathy and the larger picture, where these actions of theirs are actually harming people. 
while i have full empathy for the people harmed i see ponzi as a naive man trying to fulfill a superficial dream underneath which there was nothing but false assumptions of happiness and wealth thank you so much for listening in we hope that our efforts to share these thoughts with you were worthwhile and we really look forward to seeing you guys in our next episode